and welcome back spooky people this is that spooky life and i am your host miranda and i am happy that you are here today we have a couple of interesting stories one from my childhood and one from friend of the show author diana brock about a real life experience that has apparently been ongoing for over a year and i have only had snippets of well as you know diana's a dear friend of mine I have only been part and parcel to some of it and did not realize that a couple of our shared experiences were actually connected to this one thing until recently. So I have the first part of that story today and I hope that you will stay tuned to hear it. But we are going to dive right in. Today I want to talk about a very beloved place from my childhood called the DeSoto Theater. And the DeSoto Theater was the site of all of the community theater productions and things that my family and I did in in my youth. And the DeSoto Theater has always been haunted and always had all of these elaborate off-the-wall stories about what haunted it. And if you listen to local folklore... There's a little girl who went and saw movies there when it was still in movie theater and came out and got hit either by a car or a carriage or something, depending upon who tells the story. And there was a horrible man who used to own it or something like that that was seen as a shadow person in the in the lighting booth and all of that. But I'm going to tell you the evolution of this as far as I know it. Growing up, uh, my, like I said, my family did a lot with the local community theater group, costuming, backstage, on stage. We were in so many of them that if any given time there was a community theater production from like from 2000 to 2007 in our hometown, it was a good bet that at least one of my family was involved in some way. I spent a lot of time at that theater, even when I was not in a production or helping with a production. I had friends that were so that I I would go up there and I would hang out. It was a safe place where my mom knew where I was. There were other adults around, etc. And one of my best friends, his mother was the custodian for the building. She loved that place with everything that she was and it loved her back. And she was the one who told all of the stories about how you would find occasionally an old movie token from the little girl who died or all of these things, and I found out much later that she had made a majority of them up, and I wasn't even mad about it, because there were some spooky things that happened at this theater, and there wasn't really a history or an explanation to explain it, so she sort of leaned in and told people what they wanted to hear, and I thought that was just completely on brand and on character for this wonderful woman bless her soul as she has passed and the world got a little bit dimmer the day that she moved on but there were still experiences had that because i found out that those stories were fictional i don't know what they are and i would say oh well they were obviously imagination you know i was expecting to see something everybody knew the stories etc But I actually had numerous experiences before I heard those stories, which is actually what prompted me to ask and be given those stories. 
but that didn't change the fact that other things had already happened and I had not sort of been front loaded as it were. Specifically, I remember a time where I came in the back of the theater after everybody was closing down to holler up to the gentleman who was locking up that night and let him know that we were all out and that I was going to lock the door handle behind me. And I came in to see a shadow figure standing at the bottom of the stairs that led up to what was typically the gentleman's dressing room, staring at me. And I froze. And it wasn't until someone else came in and grabbed me basically by the back of the shirt and yanked me out that I could do anything about it. It literally just stood there and stared at me. And I didn't know what to do because I was approximately 15. And turns out that was not the first time that it happened. Multiple people had had that experience. I've had multiple friends who have had that experience and never talked about it until I told my story. Now, that being said, that particular shadow person walks around backstage quite often. There's another shadow person that can be seen in the light booth that some people have played pranks and, you know, dressed in all black and gone up there and been creepy on purpose and it was all a good prank. But I remember specifically I was in the theater proper, not the the front part or like backstage or anything. I was actually in the seats and I was waiting on somebody to get there because we were, I was early for practice and rehearsal. I was early for rehearsal and I heard footsteps behind me and I turned to see if uh, the person who would be running lights and sound was already there because I knew them and I was going to wave and say hello. And I saw somebody go up there and I called after them to the person I expected it to be and said, hey, and I didn't hear anything. And I was like, that's odd. They're they're very friendly. I, I figured they would at least said something back. And so I go trotting up there and into the light booth and no one is there. Even though I very clearly saw movement and a person going up into the light booth. Now, keeping in mind, there were a couple of ways out of this theater. Nine, if you count the two fire exits that were on either side of the auditorium. They were typically locked. They weren't typically in and out, but they were there. So nine exits out of this theater. The lighting booth was not one of them. It was basically like a little attic. Um, you could get up to the rafters from there, but once you were up there, there was a ladder up to, you know, where you can hang the lighting rigs and everything, but it was either hanging out over the seats in the theater or you were in the lighting booth. There was no like two ways around it and there was no one in there. And so I looked up at the lighting rigs and things like that. There was nobody there. And as I'm turning around to come back down, I run into the person who I was expecting it to be, having just gotten there, coming up the stairs, and we're like, what are you doing up here? I said, I thought I saw you come up here. I said, hi, and you didn't say anything. So I came up to see if everything was okay. And he was like, no, I just got here. Is there somebody up here? And I was like, whatever my face looked like, I believe probably it drained of blood, and I like shimmied down real fast out of the lighting booth. They looked for me. They, no one was in the theater. It was just the two of us. And to his credit, he was like, okay, yeah, that's weird because you're very clearly not making this up. There was one particular play 
that I had to be in the orchestra pit for almost the entirety of the first act. We were doing Camelot, and I was playing the part of Nimoy, who takes Merlin away. And I would rise with a fog machine from the orchestra pit, sing my song, and take Merlin back down into the orchestra pit that we would exit during the intermission. It wasn't during rehearsal. However, every night of the actual production, down in the orchestra pit, which was not a very large space, this is not a theater that had, like, all of the understage space cleared out. No, this was really just, like, a little built-in down into the orchestra pit, and probably... Probably an eight by 17 space that could just, that would not be seen from, from the seats. And the stairs were sturdy. They were great. There was nothing creepy about it. But after the opening night's performance, every time we did that play, it felt like there was somebody down there with me. And I was such a scared teenager that I did not bother to charge my perceptions and try and figure out what was going on because I honestly didn't want to know. I had to be down there. I loved the part that I was playing. I loved the song that I was doing. My costume was amazing. There was no way that if I found out that it was like some horrible boogity ghost of a murderer that had snuck into the play that I was going to talk myself out of doing this part. So I just ignored it and it didn't ignore me. It watched me the whole time, sat down there. Could have been a very nice, very, very nice disembodied individual. I have no idea because I didn't want it to not be like, I didn't want to find out it was the bad thing. So I just decided not to look. And every night it was down there. And then the last night after the final production, we were breaking down set. We were gathering up costumes, returning them where they needed to be, taking down the backdrops, breaking down. We were, we were doing strike. And as we're getting ready to leave, I hear... um the gentleman who was locking up that night shout to me and say, Hey, were you just down in the orchestra pit? Which, okay, obviously I could have left something down there. I was the only one who was typically down there other than the gentleman who played Merlin. And I was like, no, I've been back here the whole time talking about backstage. And I hear him go, huh? I come up on stage where they're almost completed with strike. And I was like, well, what is it? Why do you ask? They're like, I swear to God, I just saw somebody walk up the stairs and leave the orchestra pit because I was coming out here to put the lid on. But there's nobody out here. It's just me right now other than these two who were behind me the whole time. So I thought out of the corner of my eye, maybe you just left something down there. And he and I just looked at each other for a second and left at the orchestra pit. And I will never forget the fact that I was like, lock it up. Not worry about it. Don't question it. Just lock it up. And he chuckled and closed it up. And that's the last I heard of that one. So 
as much as I was both unsurprised and maybe maybe a tiny bit disappointed to find out that some of the spooky stories that I had grown up with in and around this place that I loved, and I still know like the back of my hand, I can walk, the, I could draw that place almost to an exact detail if I was given enough time. I adore that building. I adored the community theater that we were a part of. And those stories were a huge part of that in a way. We did a haunted theater attraction there a couple of times, and some of those were pulled from, and it was great. It was good fun. But even if the individual stories were not accurate, a.k.a. they were made up, by a beautiful and wonderful storyteller who did storytelling as a job, by the way, so she was very believable in telling her stories. There's still something unknown going on there. And with as long as it's been around and as many people that have been through there that love it as much or more than I did, it does not surprise me that people would be sticking around and that maybe other oddities and interesting thing beings would be drawn to it. It's a place of drama. It's a place of emotion. It's a place that can bring joy, laughter, tears, and all kinds of emotions to people. So I could see it very much standing like a beacon in the little town that I grew up in to anything that might be interested to, to linger and sort of experience the human experience even if they don't have a body to do so. So that is my spooky story for the week. Adventures in Time and Space In 2013, it all began. Well, it got serialized in 2017. How they got to space, you'll just have to listen to find out. Bastards of the Universe is an entertainment and nostalgia podcast with a hint of space opera and a happy helping of good old-fashioned comedy cheese. Join the crew's many misadventures, like malfunctioning teleporters, and a number of soiled pants, as they attempt to fulfill all of your nostalgia, review, and space-faring needs. Bastards of the Universe is available on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Casts. Pick your favorite platform and check it out. If you like what you hear, tell them you were sent from the spooky side. That should freak them out. Ladies and gentlemen... Ever have one of those aha moments? An epiphany where everything just snaps into place? We did. We realized that we could no longer tolerate small talk and BS. Ain't nobody got time for that. So, we decided to start a podcast. Coming Forth by Day is a discussion cast with two longtime friends. I'm Miranda, and she's Ricey. Where we really dig into the big conversations. We'll tackle anything and everything from pet peeves to hobbies toxic people to spirituality, traveling, mental health, philosophy, music, aliens, maybe? All the stuff worth talking about. So if you don't have time for superficial garbage chat and are sick of wasting your time like us, come join us for some real, raw, and deep conversation on Coming Forth by Day.
coming soon. As mentioned at the top of the podcast, our listener story comes today from author Diana Abernathy. And if you guys have not heard, if this is your first episode of the podcast, first of all, welcome. But also, a friend of mine is a fiction horror writer, and her personal paranormal experiences rival my own with both frequency and intensity. If you are a fan of books like that, definitely go check out uh, her Facebook page, Abernathy Books. She is a wonderful independent author. She has uh, Kindle books and things on Amazon. Definitely go check it out. But this is not a fiction story. This is a personal experience that she is chronicling for me as I have only dipped my toe into basically the experiences that she and a mutual friend of ours have been having for over a year now. So this is the first part of a yet-to-be-determined part story that we have actually shared pieces of on this podcast before. But at the time that I was sharing these things, I had no idea that they were all tied in together. I will just read what Diana has provided us here today. The title of it is More Than Visions, Part 1. Diana writes, Some stories begin at the end to allow the writer to tell the reader how things came to the climax. Some begin in the middle, then backtrack at points until the end is reached. As a writer, I have told stories in many ways. I chose the best layout to best captivate the reader. In this case, for this series, the best place to begin is the beginning. Our series starts around August of 2019. I had joined a mom group on social media. I had also related my first audiobook on the market. I offered free promo codes in the group to hopefully get reviews for my apocalyptic thriller. One of the admins who actually posted spooky historical stories requested a code. Within a week, she reviewed my book, and conversations outside of the group began. About two weeks after that, I had a dream, but it wasn't a normal one. In this dream, I had just brewed my morning coffee, turned on the news, and made my way to my desk to start writing. I did not recognize this place. I knew it was my house in the dream but it didn't look like my house at all. This is worth mentioning. Suddenly, a news story on my TV caught my attention. I turned to look at the TV. I saw the reporter on screen at a business site. I noticed small trees with barely blooming branches, a chain-link fence, and a dumpster. The reporter told a horrible story about a young woman, mid-twenties, who had been brutally murdered and her body hidden behind the dumpster. Family made the comment that it was the only night she wasn't carrying her firearm. Normally, this would not have surprised me. My ideas from my books and short stories usually come in dreams. 
What caught my attention was the location of the homicide and the name the reporter shared. It was the admin, Astrid. And yes, for you spooky listeners who have been with us for a moment, this is the same Astrid who has joined us on the Spooky Squad before. So, I could feel the warnings tingling in my soul as I startled awake. I knew then that this was not a dream, but a vision into the future, and I needed to warn her. My only problem was that even though a friendship was forming, we just weren't there yet. At least I didn't think so. So I held that information, and I waited for either my intuition to tell me I had to share, or until my anxiety allowed me to accept that Astrid would become more than an acquaintance and she would become family. As time went on, an old friendship from my past had come back to life when a person from my childhood announced she would be diving fully into her spiritual beliefs and sharing them via podcast. Spoiler alert, guys. I think you know who that is. She opened a door for people to follow her journey, and I was all in. See, this friend from my past shared an ability, a belief with me, and that was the belief in the supernatural paranormal aspect of the other side, and I needed that understanding. Once the podcast aired, I knew that Astrid and I shared an interest in the spooky aspects of life, so I sent her a link and told her to check it out. The dream was reoccurring at this point, and I was hoping that the podcast would open a doorway to the conversation that needed to be had. (coughs) At this point, I was very busy, and in the process of moving, so my conversations were few and far between via social media direct messages. However, I managed to stay in touch with Astrid and my podcaster friend Miranda. Sorry, I spoiled it for you guys. I also managed to introduce the two of them, and despite busy, conflicting schedules, a bond was formed that seemed almost natural. Our comfort levels were sharing our paranormal experiences, had grown to a point where we could share anything. That is when Astrid shared her story with us about the job site she cleaned with a demon near the dumpster. She told us this story in the early morning hours as I drank my coffee, turned on my television to listen to the news, and I sat down at my desk to begin writing. Then it hit me. This was the warning. It was coming, and my new sister was no longer safe. It was time to share. Bum, cliffhanger. So, for those of you who may not be familiar, there has sort of been an ongoing drama between our dear friend Astrid and some of the places that she's been cleaning on and off for a while. She has had some real, real interesting uh, experience doing her nighttime cleaning job. And for those of you perhaps not familiar, we have shared the story of the dumpster demon before. However, I don't remember what episode. I will see if I can find it and put it in the episode notes. In any event, This is only part of it. 
I'm not going to spoil anything because I'm very excited to see how Diana captures what I know has occurred and fills in some details that I may not have had. I'm not sure yet. But recently, and I do mean very recently, all of this has finally come to a culmination and hopefully it is over as of this week. But I can promise you, regardless of how many parts this story comes in, it is worth coming back to hear more of it. Because speaking as someone who has lived it, it is one of the most unbelievable, terrifying, genuinely frightening and inexplicable things that I have had happen to me probably in my life. Because for everything that happened, there were two witnesses. Obviously, we can't witness Diana's dreams, but she she had this dream. And then the series of events that followed, and the fact that at one point we thought it was done, and then it wasn't. And it has literally only been this last week that hopefully it's done for good. I have no explanation for it. Even if you're not witchy, even if you're not psychic, even if you're just here because you like entertainment, I can promise you this is a good story because it will make you at least turn your head a little bit. And to have three witnesses who shared enough of a similar experience that even eyewitness account has a moment because we all know eyewitness account is the worst account you can have. You can have three different people see the exact same thing and they will come up with three different stories. But there is really only one way you can describe, I don't know, for example, hearing a shrill shriek on a three-way phone call and all three people heard it, but one of them heard it in person. So I'm just saying, I think you should totally stick around in the coming weeks to get the rest of the story. Thank you, Diana, for chronicling this and sending it to me. I cannot wait to share the second part when you get it done. And that is our listener story for the week. So my witchy tip for the day is a little bit of just excitement, to be perfectly honest. We are starting to come to the close of summer. And yes, we still have the entire month of August left. I am aware. But we're starting to come to the close of summer, which means that we are ever so slightly closer to my favorite time of the year, which is the dark side of the year. And in September, we will have the shift to the autumnal equinox, when we will have Halloween, or Samhain, to those of you who may celebrate such things, the Day of the Dead, all kinds of wonderful things. And of course, eventually... Yule and all of the wintry things because I also love winter but there's just something about fall that I adore I felt it in the breeze today it was an after the storm sort of breeze and it was calmer and it was going back to being humid and it's the south so obviously it was humid but there was a coolness to the breeze the very edge of it and it didn't have the smell of starting to decay leaves on it just yet but it had that edge of cool i'm coming i'm far away right now but i'm coming 
And I wanted to celebrate with you, all the spooky people. But I also wanted to give you guys a bit of advice that I've been seeing around in multiple groups on the internet, in person, um, social media, forums, discussion threads. I don't think we're through the darkest night yet. And I don't mean that in like Samhain and or the equinoxes, the darkest night of the year kind of thing. I mean, as the winter solstice is the darkest night of the year, but I don't mean that. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now. And it's not just the virus and it's not just the political climate and it's not just the social climate. There's a lot of things that are coming up this winter that are going to impact us and probably magnify some of the things that are still an ongoing problem in the world. And that is going to have an effect on us. So what do these two things have to do with each other? Me loving the dark side of the time of the year and the potential coming storm. Well, the dark side of the year is fall into winter. It's when we're storing up for the winter, when we are trying to gather the things that we need, the people that we need, stock our pantries. It's not like it used to be where we actually had to harvest the fields and hope that it didn't rot for the winter. No. But that tie to the seasons is still there. We're inside more because it's cold. It's darker. The nights are longer. The days are shorter. And at least down here in the south, we don't get a lot of snow, but we do see a lot of rain and overcast days. And I always think of winter as being overcast and gray because that's usually what it is here. And that can lead to things like depression and that can lead to cabin fever and all of the winter emotions. And in addition to the rest of the stuff that's going on in the world, it's going to be very important for us to stay focused on what matters. Personal health, mental well-being, family, making sure that we have what we need to survive the winter. And if that's a book and a candle and a nice hot bubble bath with a glass of wine, you do you. If that is making sure that you chop a little bit of firewood every day just to have some physical activity, you do you. If that is diving feet first, holding your nose and closing your eyes into all of the shadow work so that in this time of solitude you can get all your shit worked out so that by the time the sun comes out again, you can greet the world with your head screwed on straight, knowing yourself better than you ever have before. You do you, and I will be doing that too. Maybe not literally, but the darker time of the year is a time for self-reflection. We have a lot of time indoors, isolated, which doesn't really sound a whole lot different than what we've been doing recently. But you're not going to have the garden to get outside of your head with. Not going to necessarily be able to uh, as easily go on a walk around the neighborhood. Going to be a lot of time spent inside. Don't necessarily spend it all on the couch mentioned Netflix. Take this time to prepare. As the summer days wind down and it starts to get colder, no one knows when or even if shit is going to hit the fan. But when you start being able to go outside less, 
when you're, quote, stocking up for the winter, as it were. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself, bracing yourself, and in case things do go a little sideways, if you have taken care of yourself and those that you love, you will know that you are prepared. And no, you may not be able to repair for every little detail. No, we have no idea what shape that's going to take, what anything is going to do for certain in the future. No one can know that. But you will at least go forward with your head held high and confidently take those steps that you need to take, knowing that you were as prepared as you could be. That's all I'm saying. So take this with the understanding that I'm looking forward to doing that level and that type of self-care and also wearing hoodies again because I don't like being hot. I don't like the sun. And uh, come on fall. But realistically, we have a calm before the storm and I want you all to know that I have my fingers crossed and that I am putting positive energy out into the world for you so that we may all come through whatever the winter months and the darker side of the year may bring stronger, happier, healthier, and better for it. And that is my witchy tip for the day. Again, thank you to Diana for sending in the first part of this story. I am super stoked to share the rest of it as it comes. Next week, I have some fun stuff planned and we have a first we have a story that has shared an EVP from experience they had. So I am looking forward to putting that into the episode and we will see what happens. So catch us next week, Friday morning. If you have a scary story or a spooky story or a paranormal, inexplicable experience that you would like to share with the show, as always, please send that email to thatspookylifepodcast at gmail.com and I will happily share it with all of the spooky listeners. And apparently you can also attach your EVPs if you have them because I've looked at this file, I've looked at this email and I'm sitting here going, this is going to spook the hell out of me. I'll have to record this one during the daytime. I think we all know at this point that that's not going to happen and I'm going to end up recording it at night and then being terrified for the rest of the night. But anyway, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week ahead of you until I can speak to you and share our spooky conversations again. But for this week, that is our episode. And do not forget, my friends, to keep living that spooky life. Bye.